This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield is retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Oh, now I've got it. It's an all-pet day on Creature Comforts. It's the beginning of a new year, and there's no better way to start 2021 than okay. checking up on your furry friends. So the doors to our pet hospital are open today. We welcome all your pet questions from the big to the small. Maybe you became a first-time pet over, over the holidays or need some help getting your pet back on track after a busy holiday season. So don't hesitate to join the conversation uh, by phone or email. Also, any general wildlife experiences you have, we always love to hear those as well. Join our conversation this morning with your phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 7464 You can email animals at mpbonline.org. Here's a reminder. Creature, Comf- Creature Comforts airs not only on Thursday mornings, but repeats every Saturday morning at 6. So good morning, Libby. Let's uh, start with you. Java, our producer, tells me that you have made your way back to Mississippi. Uh, any final thoughts or experiences you'd like to share from your trip out west? Um, I am glad to be home in Mississippi. Just got here last night. Um, it's been a wonderful experience each time we've driven across the country. We're, we're crossing about three-fourths of the nation, and it's a beautiful place to live. Every place we've been has had its own unique form of beauty, and um, it was really fun to, to just watch America go by out of the window. But I'm particularly glad to be home today, and now I'm home with my own bird feeders, and I've got cardinals and chickadees and uh, tufted tip mice and um, some uh, gold, uh, some goldfinches right now. Yeah, I, I think uh, you're right. It's uh, it must have been a fun trip because, you, as you say, you get to sort of sample a lot of different of the. I don't know if ecosystems is the right term, but different you know areas of the country and, and, and experience the different things that each part of the country has to offer. Yeah, definitely different kinds of ecosystems. In fact, we seek out areas that we've not been in the past, and we um, we stayed off the interstate for most of yesterday, so we had kind of a different experience seeing the back roads of Texas. We've done that several times. It's You see a little bit more variety of vegetation when you get off the interstate. In fact, I would advise that to anybody. <laughs> avoid cities and avoid the interstates, and you get a little bit better idea of what America looks like. And, Kevin, Libby sent uh, the other day, sent when we were talking about the show, uh, sent this lovely picture of uh, Mount Shasta. Is that is that correct, correct Libby? <laughs> That's right, Mount Shasta, yes, in California. And it was so, and, uh, so beautiful. Yeah, that's another example. California is a whole different experience we found when you don't go on the interstates and you avoid the cities. So we got to see a lot of the um, countryside of of California. We saw some vegetate, you know, some of the uh, the vegetables that we all buy in the grocery stores growing and a lot of the fruit. But we also got to see the um, the sparsely populated parts of the state. And um, Mount Shasta is an absolutely breathtaking vision when you see it over there covered in snow 
Uh, you know, uh, I think I've talked about my friend and I did done a lot of hikes uh, this year, and it's similar to your experience. I mean, when you kind of get off the interstate and get even on some of the state highways, it's kind of fun uh, to uh, do that and to travel to the places. And uh, we hope to continue doing some hikes uh, throughout the 2021. In fact, I think on Saturday, I think we're going to try to uh, – uh, do Mays Lake, which uh, we've not done. Uh, it's right here in the Jackson area. So looking forward to, if the weather cooperates, uh, uh, doing that on uh, this Saturday. And again, I'll give a plug. Last Saturday, we went back to the Clinton Nature Center. Great uh, trails there. It's, you know, it's right there in Clinton, easy to get to. Uh, and the trails are well-maintained. So I would, uh, if you're looking for something to do uh, as a hike or something to get your kids out of the house and enjoy nature, I would certainly recommend the, the Clinton Nature Center uh, for a trip for folks here in the uh, central Mississippi area. Here is a follow-up to an email that we got in December. It was someone that had come across a domesticated mallard duck in Ridgeland and was looking for advice on how to take the duck safely uh, to be reintroduced into the wild or to a sanctuary in Mississippi. So we got a reply uh, on yesterday, or Tuesday that is, and it says, "Uh, Dear Creature Comforts hosts, thank you so much for airing my question last week. We did reach out to the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Nick was very helpful referring us to the North State Bird and Animal Hospital in Jackson. With Brandy's help at the Animal Hospital, we successfully relocated Quack to a predator-safe pond for her to live a good life. Thanks so much for your help. Your show is a weekly must-listen on our calendar. So uh, that's uh, thanks, uh, Sean and Mary. Thanks for uh, writing back, and glad to see that that uh, had a kind of a a happy outcome, and we appreciate uh, uh, Libby uh, and then the folks uh, that uh, he, she they mentioned uh, the folks at the museum and at the animal hospital for having uh, that story have a kind of a happy outcome. So glad to hear uh, that that was resolved well. Uh, so, Doctor Major, uh, I want to say uh, you know I, my cat is due for his uh, yearly checkup, so I called the other day to make an appointment. And at one time, I got uh, the uh, answering machine, and I thought it was kind of funny that uh, in the background there's a barking dog. So I think it goes to show that you folks there at your clinic, uh, never a dull moment, I guess. Never, ever. Uh, (laughs) You might hear Chester sometimes, too. That's the parrot that's been here. He's 35 years old now. I've had him that long. And uh, I have to be careful of his vocabulary because sometimes (laughs) he he gets pretty wild. But uh, uh, I don't have him, I think, on any recording. But anyway, yes, uh, I, you may hear dogs in the background now. I don't have too many barking ones, but uh, a lot of times they like to communicate uh, with each other. Uh, always fun to have a husky in the clinic uh, because invariably they start howling. They, they have a, a wild howl, and amazingly, a lot of the other dogs will join in with that howl, uh, and it's it's pretty amazing. Uh, Java found something uh, in the news, and it says right before the new year, the Transportation Department issued a final rule that decided that when it comes to air travel, only dogs will be service animals and companions used for emotional support don't count. The ruling aims to settle years of tension between airlines and passengers who brought pets on board for free by saying they need them for emotional support. Airlines believe passengers abused the rules to bring a menagerie of animals on board, including cats, turtles, pigs, and in one case, a peacock. Uh, so, Dr. Major, are dogs the only animals that can be trained to be support animals, or do they just take to that job maybe better than other creatures do? You know, I don't want to get in the middle of that, but I think it definitely was abused. I mean, uh, they brought uh, miniature ponies on uh, as a support animal. Uh, uh, tarantula, 
and I don't know about a snake or anything like that. Snakes on a plane is kind of a sore subject. <laughs> but uh, anyway, 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 yes, it was abused, and uh, there needs to be, uh, what should I say, some give and take there. I don't know that that many uh, exotic animals uh, certainly could be a, uh, what should I say, emotional support. But some of these animals, like, I mean, who who would come on with a peacock? Uh, they can be dangerous to other passengers, certainly. And uh, in my opinion, the dogs should be certified uh, when they're uh, brought on as uh, companion-type animals. And uh, there are ways that you can do that. Uh, we have got an early caller on the line, so why don't we say good morning to Mike, who is called in from uh, Jackson. Good morning, Mike. You're on the air with us. Oh, thank you. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, well, I have a question. It's, it's a curiosity about turtle behavior. Okay. Uh, all right, I, I live in a subdivision here in Jackson that has several storm drainage ponds, holes in ponds, and on one of my walks, I go into a cul-de-sac, and at the end of the cul-de-sac, there's about a three-foot concrete drainage pipe going into the holding pond, and often when it's a sunny day, there's one or two turtles that sit on top of the pipe getting warm, and And as I approach it, it's a sloping, it's it's a slope down to the pipe. The turtle cannot see me or hear me. But when I get about, oh, five, six, seven yards away, it can't see me, can't hear me. But it always uh, leaps off the pipe. And I'm just, I know this might be a silly question, but how does that turtle know that I'm there because he can't see me, can't hear me. Uh, you know, like I said, it's a sloping hill down to where that pipe is, and it just instantly, as I get about five yards away, it it it, it leaps off the pipe. I know this it's, might be a silly question, but what, what what why is that? Why how does a turtle have that ability to be aware of my presence? Let's give that's, Libby and Dr. Major. Silly, yeah. go, go ahead, Libby. Yeah. Stab at it first. I was just going to say that. First off, that's not a silly question at all. It's an often asked question, and I guess it's sort of a universal question too. Not just for turtles, for for lots of animals. And the answer I've always gotten from the specialists is that uh, many types of animals, turtles are one of those. They they have incredible peripheral vision. So if you're anywhere close by, and they're going to react to shadow too. So any change in light, they're very sensitive to a shadow. So um, that's probably what's going on. But I know I've had that that happen with um, reptiles and also with birds, where you just, how did they see me? But they're very aware of their pre- of your presence. Uh, it's possible that they heard you walking down the hill, any little noise a few minutes before, and that had alerted them to um, to pay attention. And then they, I don't know, but it, it is a very good question. And it, it happens, I think, to all of us that like to watch nature. And, it, of course, that makes it part of um, 
uh, it, it can be considered, I guess, part of the fun challenge of it all, but um, it can be very uh, disappointing, too, when they leave just as you're about to get a good picture or a good look. All right, uh, Mike, we thank you for your call. I would also say, too, I, mean, I think it's a skill that they've honed in uh, for if you're out there in the wild, you know, the the, the better uh, ability you have to identify potential predators, you know, the longer your lifespan is going to be. So, uh, yeah. this, this is a self-preservation thing, and I'm amazed yes. that you're able to get that close to the turtles, even if you feel like they can't see you. I suspect they can tell sense vibrations also, and uh, not sure about the terrain where you are, but uh, they can sense vibrations, and uh, certainly... That's very close, though, uh, considering the fact that, gosh, from childhood on, I've been around uh, the red-eared, red-eared slider and other other turtles. And sometimes, you know, on a sunny day when it's cold, you'll see dozens of them in a certain lake or pond. Uh, but they, they're pretty uh, attentive, and uh, it's hard to slip up on them. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. All right, Mike. Yeah, that's exactly uh-huh. Uh, Not a bad question at all, Mike. We appreciate you calling in to get things started. It is time for our first break. When we get back, we'll continue talking with Dr. Major about your pet questions. Libby's on on board, too, to add her expertise, and we always like to hear your brushes with wildlife. To join our conversation, call us at 1-877-MPB-RING. Our phone number is 1-877-672-7464. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Got a couple calls on the line. We'll get to that after this break. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. We're back on Creature Comforts. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. If you want to join the conversation with a question or comment, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can email the show. Just send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Back to the phone lines we go. Let's start again in Tupelo. Uh, Terry has called in. Uh, good morning, Terry. You're on the air with us. Sorry, go ahead, Terry. Yeah, love the show. Can you hear me okay? It's raining pretty hard up here. We got you. Go ahead, please. So uh, I do have a support animal. It's a hippo, but I'm only allowed to fly a wide body jet. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's not so I'd throw that in. Uh, my question is, is I was hunting in some land back behind my house and uh, saw a black squirrel, and that's only the second black squirrel I've seen in my life. I'm 59, and I uh, used to do quite a bit of squirrel hunting, but uh, how prevalent are black squirrels in Mississippi? Um, I don't know as far as the percentage of prevalence, but I know that there have been persistent populations of black squirrels in various locations in the state, and they're always pretty... What county did you say you're in? I'm in Lee County. That's... Well, I can't remember what areas, and Troy may know more about that than I do, because a lot of um, squirrel hunters are real attuned to where they can find which color 
that, but um, black squirrels are a thing, and uh, they are they're the same species as other squirrels, but they uh, they have a population, and it is genetically related, so that um, black squirrels tend to um, have babies that are also black squirrels. But it's uh, it's another interesting little oddity that's going on out there. Yep. Thank you very much. All right, okay. T- Terry. Good to hear from you, Doctor Major. Any uh, any info on the black squirrels? You know, squirrels are pretty uh, interesting uh, group of animals. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I'm sorry, I heard a click. Uh, the a lot of these squirrels, the fox squirrel, the largest squirrel, as I understand it, will migrate from one area to another. But as Libby said, there's some certain populations, you know, where they're predominantly black. Uh, the other thing, and most of the hunters know this, you'll see some squirrels that are pied by that. They are white and uh, maybe uh, brown or red, and then there's some that are almost all white. So there's there's a lot of variation uh, in, in the population. But I suspect there is probably more black squirrels in that area where you saw the squirrel uh, than, than not, okay? All right. Uh, let's move on. Next, we'll go to Gene calling in from Osaka. Good morning, Gene. You're on the air with us. I'm sorry. Uh, let's do Patrick instead. Good morning, Patrick. Uh, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Hang on one second. Yep. I'm sorry. I've, I've kind of messed things up. My bad. Uh, let's go to Patrick. Sorry, Patrick. Uh, we got you on the air now. Go ahead, please. Good morning. I have a rescue dog of indeterminate age. We call him an oodle. Um, He's part poodle, part something. He's probably five or seven years old, and he started to get cataracts in his eyes pretty um, badly. I think his right eye is probably completely blind. I'm wondering how important it is for me to go to Birmingham or Starkville or the coast to have him relensed or if there are other options that I that I have certainly I would suggest uh, complete uh, blood workup if you haven't had that already uh, sometimes uh, cataracts are potentiated by diabetic condition uh, I'm sure you probably have had this dog checked but uh, I would suggest that you do need to see a uh, board-certified veterinary ophthalmologist, and certainly there's there's some available. So you mentioned those areas, and I would say uh, just to be sure that vision can be saved, uh, I would say that would be a good idea. Okay. All right, Pat. Thank you. Patrick, thanks for the call. Let's go next to, um, to Kathleen in Osaka. Good morning, Kathleen. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Whoop, sorry. All right. My bad, Kathleen. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. You're on the air with us. Okay. Uh, I'm at it again. Someone dropped off a kitten, uh, well, a cat, uh, about, I guess, six months ago, and he's been living out in the woods, and it's a she. She came up and uh, got an ear clipped. I checked into it, so it's been fixed, and uh, I'm wanting to know, when they fix them, what do they actually do, and do I have to follow up with any shots? This time, I've got a girl cat named Darlin. 
Okay, the, the question was, what do you need to do to follow up? Yeah, and what do they do when they clip their ears? And okay. please, general principal, don't drop me off no more cats. <laughs> okay, we'll see what we can do about that. Uh, I can think of a few right now. If I'm headed that way, I might drop off for you. Uh, I know you wouldn't <laughs> like that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> normally uh, it, it depends on whether this was done at a strictly spay-neuter uh, clinic or whether it was done, you know, at a veterinarian's office. Normally the veterinarian's office would go ahead and uh, and give vaccinations as well. I suspect it would be wise to get this uh, cat checked out by a vet and get yeah. up-to-date on shots, Okay. Thank you so much, because I didn't know how they did. And what is the release policy on these cats? Because apparently it is out that my nickname is Cat, so they think I deserve every other cat. <laughs> uh, I don't know. What? I think they're... I think they've got some marker or something out around your house somewhere. <laughs> uh, remember the old uh, situation with people that rode the rails, hobos, if you would, back in <laughs> the days. They would put a mark on the gatepost, and they would people would know that this was an, a good good house to stop at. So I think these cats have got something going there, and they know that you're a good 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 cat owner, pet owner. What is their general release policy? Do they have to bring them back where they were, or can they drop in, them anywhere? In general, in general, they are released uh, in, in an area where they are. Of course, I have some opposition, certainly, to uh, feral cat population, and we've talked about this before. And, and the reason, the reason that they need to be spayed and even dropped off in the same area, it will cut down on the excess population. There are some of these that have no uh, supervision or control, and they have kittens right and left. So uh, I think uh, judicious uh, spaying and neutering helps go down on that that population. All right, uh, Kathleen, good to hear from you again. You know, Dr. Major, you and I must have similar sense of humor because when you mentioned that thing about the the hobos marking the thing, that was exactly what I was thinking of as well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's probably true. Yeah. All right, uh, Kathleen, we always appreciate hearing from you. Next, uh, let's go to uh, Alan, who is called in from Mobile. Alan, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's Thank t- you, and good morning. Yeah, go ahead. Good morning. Uh, I have a six-month-old German Shepherd, and he is experiencing for about the past week or so some irritation to his eyes and ears, very minor drainage uh, you'd notice overnight. And what's happening is that when he scratches deer with his paw, the dew claw tends to be abrading some of the uh, fur around his eyes and everything. And uh, we're responsible to keep the dogs inside unless they play and everything. I am treating it with occasional Benadryl tablets to relieve some of the itching. And I'm just looking for some information of which way to go. Uh, we are extensive uh, client patients of Dr. Smith and Loosedale. We see them a lot, but I mean it's a fifty ride, fifty mile ride to get up there to him. So uh, I, we we and it, we provide more care to our German shepherds than most people do their children. So, but I that being understand. said, I'm yeah. with, if you, any advice to save me a trip, I sure would appreciate. It. Well. <laughs> 
to start out with, there may be some underlying cause that this is going on. Are his ears infected? I haven't looked into his ears. His father has had occasional ear infection. I would suggest thank you, you know, for a, a good uh, good ear wash just to check that out. What I do with that would be to put the ear wash in the ear, massage the ear, and then take a cotton ball, if you would, or a tissue, okay. and see what comes out. Uh, massaging okay. is a good thing on that. Uh, he's six months old, and uh, you've got him on some sort of heartworm preventive. Uh, oh, that, oh! I, I go broke. It costs me fifty bucks every six months for that dog. Exactly. Uh, well, I got. I have four German Shepherds. We are okay. responsible. It's yeah, that. I understand. Oh yeah. Well, I was just thinking in terms of uh, how much hair loss does he have around his face? Uh, very, very minor at the moment. Okay. Okay. Very minor. And you might consider when you do. Uh, have him checked out and might consider taking those dew claws off because they can do some damage, especially around the eye. And I'm concerned about that. I'd keep them trimmed closely if you would, and I'm sure you do. But keep those dew claws trimmed closely because they can scratch. I've been scratched by them. I've, I have more scratches from from dogs than I do from cats trying to trim their nails. My, but, my, you know, my wife has... My wife is, and he is in the uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex stage. <laughs> okay. And, uh, I can, our, I can only dogs, imagine, yeah. Be a hoss. When on my earwash solution, uh, water, alcohol, vinegar, or just water, alcohol, or vinegar, water, which way would you go? I'd go with the vinegar, vinegar water or a very small amount of uh alcohol in that. I would not use peroxide. That irritates the dog and can actually cause irritation and make, you know, ear worse. So that probably would work well, what you just described. Uh, Anyway, uh, it sounds like he's not that bad, but we don't want it to get worse. So if it does, or if you notice more discharge from the eyes, it could be a conjunctivitis situation. It doesn't sound like that's what's going on now. Uh, the Benadryl certainly is okay, and you can dose Benadryl really fairly high, one to two milligrams per pound, but that's our kilogram. Uh, the other thing, Benadryl only lasts for about eight hours, and that's something you need to know, too, uh, from the standpoint of giving it. All right, Alan, good to hear from you. Uh, Let's go ahead. We'll take another break. It is time for another break. When we come back, we'll continue taking your pet questions for Dr. Major. Call with those questions and comments at 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464, or you can email animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more of the show after this. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app.
Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. If you miss any of today's show, you can always subscribe to the podcast using the podcast app on your smartphone, or you can subscribe to the MPB Public Media app, and you'll have access to all of the local MPB Think Radio programs on your schedule. Join our conversation this morning with your phone call. It's an all-pet day, by the way, so we're looking for pet questions and also any experiences you have encountering wildlife. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Uh, let's continue on. Next on the line, we've got Mikey from Mobile. Good morning, Mikey. Hey, good morning and Happy New Year, everyone. Um, uh, may I open with, I, it's probably an unusual sort of comment, but I promise you it, it uh, has something to do with the question that I'm going to ask. Um, uh, dogs and howling. Um, my dogs and I decided that we would uh, go ahead and send electronic um, greetings during the holidays. So we call our sister, my sister, in Michigan, and uh, where there's lots of snow. And we, I, I play a little harmonica here and there, and uh, he helps along uh, <laughs> when I do. Um, and we, we played the, the Frank Zappa, you know, one line from the Frank Zappa song, Watch Out Where the Huskies Go and Don't You Eat That Yellow Snow. He was very participatory and enjoyed it thoroughly or appeared to as did I, um, and as did my sister. Um, my question is, does, I've heard before that certain, he's very, very reactive, and uh, he, he gets into the howling mode. He's a little bitty guy. He's not a wolf by any means. He's half Maltese and half Chihuahua. Um, <laughs> but when you play a reed instrument, whether it's a clarinet or an oboe or a saxophone or a harmonica, or he hears anything that's like that toward, sort of uh, timbre on the radio or wherever, he begins to, and I started calling it singing, and I just, I, I, I tried discouraging it, forget that, you know. So I just started joining in with him, and now we have fun with it. Is it causing him pain is my question. In answer to that question, I would say no. Uh I had a little chihuahua named Peanut that uh, she's passed away when she was 12 years old uh, too quickly. Anyway, uh, we would say, sing, Peanut, and she would start singing, you know, like on the way home. I always brought her and another dog to work with me or any other time. And the kids loved that, and she she would do it, and I think she enjoyed it, you know. Now, uh, we know some dogs that will howl when they hear a distant train whistle, this sort of thing. Uh, and uh, so there are certain triggers that set that off. But another thing are other dogs barking or howling in the neighborhood or in the distance. A lot of times it may be a form of communication. As far as it hurting the dog, I don't believe it does. Great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, and Happy New Year again, y'all. All right. Thanks, Mikey. Always good to hear from you. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We've got some open phone lines if you have a pet question for Dr. Major or if you'd like to share a recent brush with nature that you've encountered, that you've had. Give us a call. It is 1-877-MPB-RING. Our phone number is one 672 
7464. You can email the show by sending it to animals at mpbonline.org. So, uh, Dr. Major, uh, I mentioned uh, at the top of the show that uh, it's time for my cat's annual checkup. Um, Before we get to that, though, and and I think I've talked about this, I still cannot figure out why this cat is so enamored with shoes. And so I'm beginning to wonder, maybe my scent is on there, something about the rubber on the soles of the shoes that he might like. But no matter, it's not just my shoes either, but it's like anybody that takes off their shoes in my house, he will go over there and he just like rubs his face all over. I got a pair of shoes for Christmas that are now covered with cat hair. So it's any, any thoughts on why my cat is obsessed with shoes? Good question. Uh, actually, they may be obsessed with other items as well. Uh, certainly, there is some smell in your shoes, not that you have smelly feet, but still. <laughs> uh, the cat senses that, and what he's doing, rubbing his face over it, he's marking those shoes uh, just to uh, assume ownership, if you will. Uh, just be glad he hasn't urinated or peed in your <laughs> shoes. But uh, it, it is it is more of, in my opinion, uh, uh, the cat will do that to you as well. If you notice, he, mm-hmm. he will rub his face on you if you let him. And that's kind of marking his territory or ownership type thing. So uh, there's nothing wrong with it, but the shoes are fair game. And uh, I would say that they are attracted to the smell there, which is... You may not smell it, but they do. Well, that makes sense, too, because, like I said, this was a new pair of shoes, and so, you know, they have rubber soles, so it's a new scent for him. And so you're right. It makes sense now that he's uh, going over there and making sure that, uh, it, you know, he's been marking it, and he knows that he's claimed it as, as his uh, property in the house. So that well, he, makes he, kn- he knows he can't wear them, but uh, <laughs> still, he, he's claiming that. And I've seen that happen with uh, purses and this sort of thing, other items that somebody might sit down. Uh, normally they would just go up and, and rub against it, but also with their face, and they're leaving a certain amount of scent gland uh, smell there. And I guess it warns other cats, if there are other cats around too, that, hey, this is not yours, it's mine. So as I mentioned about an annual checkup, if you would remind us why it's important to have your pet at least come in once a year uh, to visit their vet. You know, the... The thing about that is it, a good health exam or physical exam involves all areas of the body pretty much, teeth, ears, eyes, uh, taking a stool sample, uh, checking for intestinal parasites or just really, and, you know, strangely enough, some inside cats may be harboring something like roundworms and not know it for years. Uh, and certainly uh, tapeworms, if a cat should get a flea or two, uh, that could be a spread, how, how the tapeworm would be spread. So uh, just a good physical exam as our cats get older. It's good to have a baseline uh, from the standpoint of kidneys, liver, which means taking some blood and running blood chemistry and uh, CBC. And uh, just really it's good to know that. And then if something does happen, you've already got an idea of uh, how the cat's been in the past. So sometimes things show up that you don't anticipate, and then you have to look a little bit further just to know that everything's okay. All right, so I'll uh, I'll be visiting you next uh, Saturday. Got my appointment set up okay. and ready to go. Um, and my cat actually has gotten a little bit better about it. You know, the first couple of years I took him, he he would howl uh, in his cat carrier all the way to the vet's foot to your office, and he he seems to be a little bit more resigned now that he's got a little bit older, uh, resigned to it. And 
always try to give him some treats uh, when we get home to make to let him know that he he did a good job and has endured another year at the vet's office. And you know we're still doing curbside mm-hmm. uh, care, uh, sending a tech, or sometimes I go out, bring an animal in, and we examine it, treat it there, and communicate by phone as far as what we find and uh, that sort of thing. So until this. Uh, COVID pandemic is over. We're still well. I don't know if it'll be over, but at least till it calms down some, we're going to continue to do that just to protect our clients that bring the pets in, but also the technicians and veterinarians that work here as well. Very good. Uh, let's uh, move on. Next, we'll go to Annette, who's called in from Poplarville. Good morning, Annette. You're on the air with us. Thank you. I uh, have this problem with my dog. She um. She goes to gagging, and she would throw up. Then she would go through the house just licking the floor like she's trying to find medicine or something. And I'll take her out, and then she'll go and start chewing the grass like like a horse. And I'm thinking it's her stomach, but I'm not sure what what is causing this. Okay, how, how old is your dog? My dog is about 11 years. Okay, so she's she's no no baby, um, which is your baby, but no no spring chicken. Uh, anyway, has she had any issues or problems in the past other than this? And how long has she been gagging and throwing up? She's been doing this for a while. Okay. Okay, there could be several things. She could have some sort of gastric irritation. Uh, you mentioned uh, stomach and intestinal. I think that's certainly a possibility. It may be that uh, a food change would help with this. Uh, I would suggest, in other words, maybe a different food. I don't know what you're feeding right now, but well, possibly I, go. I, I cook them um, okay. chicken and rice. I, I do it myself. Okay. And I uh, Right, right. And that's usually very bland, very mild uh, to do that. I would not put a lot of grease or anything like that in it, certainly. But just, just chicken and rice is... is it's pretty good. I would suggest that she probably needs to be on a vitamin. It's hard to balance her diet uh, mm-hmm. with just one type of food like that. If this persists, you're... I buy dog food also. I buy them, dog food. I buy them good dog food that has proteins and all that type of stuff in it. Sure. I would suggest that you need, to, I don't know where your vet is there, but certainly I would suggest that it would be good to talk to your local vet and describe what's going on so that he will know or she, and uh, there may be something that needs to be done uh, to locate the cause of this problem. But if it's frequent, uh, I would say that that she needs to be checked. The other thing, normally when a dog goes outside and continuously eats grass, there is a gastrointestinal upset causing that. So they feel like they need to go eat grass. Right. Well, good luck to you, and thanks for your question, okay? All right, thank you. Good to hear from you, Annette. We need to take one final break this hour. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's an all-pet day. Dr. Major has been taking your pet questions, and still time to work in one or two before the hour is out. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven. 672-7464. Email the show by sending it to animals at mpbonline.org. Back to wrap things up after this.
this is Malcolm White with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Every week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcast app. We're back on Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. Still time to work in a pet question or two on this All Pet Day. Or if you want to call in, we always like to hear uh, your stories about uh, encounters with wildlife and nature here in Mississippi. To join the conversation, the phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email the show. Send it to animals at MPB online.org. So Dr. Major, if, if someone uh, got a dog or a cat or a new pet for Christmas, a family, um, maybe just off the top of your head, some things that they might want to keep in mind that maybe they didn't quite anticipate when they got the cat or, or just things to to keep in mind to make sure that the, 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 the new family member is, is welcomed in and healthy. You know, this is uh, great information, hopefully that will help some. Uh, one of the things is uh, a lot of people that get a new pet have already had pets, and they know basically how to care for them. Uh, the One of the first things I always recommend is a good quality food, uh, cat or dog food. Uh, talk to your veterinarian or uh, got some very reputable uh, food supply stores uh, around Jackson. Uh, but... A lot of times it's uh, back in the old days when I showed cattle and stuff like that. It's like, you know, the eye is in the beholder. So if 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 the dog and cat are doing well on a certain food, I don't recommend changing it unless it's uh, some problem. Uh, house training is always an issue, and it's one of the biggest things with cats. Uh, one reason cats get given up uh, to rescue league or other adoption places is that uh, they are doing inappropriate uh, either urination or uh, defecation in the house. And, you know, you really need to have that one uh, cat box or place for them to go to the bathroom plus one. So if you've got two cats, you really need three litter boxes out. Uh, Dogs, uh, a lot of dogs are very easy to train. Others are stubborn, and it takes time. uh, being able to go outside uh, and urinate and defecate is important for most people for their dog. Uh, on the other hand, some dogs train well to uh, the pads. The, we call them pee pads, whatever you might want to call them, but they they do quite well for some dogs. Training. Uh, dogs especially need to have some discipline and know how to walk on a leash, uh, know how to come when you call them uh it's always heartbreaking if a dog uh makes a break and you call it but it keeps going and possibly gets run over or something like that so you've got to be very careful and your training and that's important it makes a dog and cat much more agreeable as a family pet 
And one thing I might would thought about, too, would be something, a toy or something to keep them uh, occupied, help keep them from being too bored, uh, especially, I guess, if, if there are times when, when they might be the only one around. Cats are notorious for making their own toys, just about. <laughs> uh, they'll do that. But, yes, yeah, small toys for the cat. If you have a cat and dog, you need to be careful about what's on the floor because the dog may eat or swallow a toy for a cat. You better be careful with that. Uh, but, yes, uh, they can get bored. Uh, some people use a, there's a pet channel now that has uh, bird and other interactive. Uh, I get not interactive, but at least pictures or shows that uh, the dog or cat can watch. And I know that some of the dogs and cats do watch TV. Uh, and uh, they are challenged. Uh, our bird feeder, one of our bird feeders is fairly close uh, to the window, and the cats are enthralled with all the different birds that come up uh, to the feeder, so they, they like that. But, uh, yes, uh, it's good, you know, working with your pet. Don't just get a pet and say, here it is, here's food and water, and do the best you can. It does require some work and some effort. Uh, my cat <clears throat> loves balls, so I bought, you know, uh, just a four-pack of a, a little plastic ball with a little jingle on the side. Also, I like to play tennis, so old tennis balls. He loves to chase those down the hallway as well. So as you say, I think sometimes uh, entertainment for cats might be a little bit easier than for dogs. We've got right. another caller on the line, so let's say good morning to Gene in Clinton. Good morning, Gene. You're on the air with us. Hello. Yeah, Gene, go ahead. Go ahead, Gene. Yes, sir. Is is a is a wild cat? Is the wild cat or maybe the neighborhood cat? So how I can avoid this thing? You have a a, a feral cat, a wild cat in the neighborhood, and, you, and you're trying to do what? They do the poop inside the backyard and outside the backyard. Okay. In other words, they're they're defecating in in your yard, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Very difficult to break that up. I mean, especially with a feral or wild cat, and uh, uh, you know, and you don't have a dog out in the yard probably all the time. Uh, they can keep some cats out of the yard, but I'm saying that it's very difficult to uh, uh, eliminate that problem because normally they love to go in your yard, especially if you have soft soil around plants and this sort of thing, and they they will go there. Some some of our listeners may have a good uh, suggestion for that, uh, but uh, it is something that does happen, and I wish I had better information for you. I'll research that and see if there's anything, but usually chemicals for that uh, are dangerous to children and to pets. Like ammonia, ammonia and uh, red pepper, something like that, they can use for the avoid these things. You could use ammonia. Uh, it's somewhat. Uh, some c- cities have ordinances against using uh, mothballs, that sort of thing, around uh, flower beds and that. So be careful with those. Do not use those outside. Uh, ammonia, it might help. And uh, the red pepper seems like that's maybe a more natural way, but that uh, that might seem to help as well. And also, I would say, too, if you ever see them in the yard, maybe just a, ha- a habit of, you know, hey, shoo, scat, because I know that uh, some of the cats in my neighborhood that appear to be they're either outdoor cats or feral cats, I'm not sure, but 
I know that when I see one sitting on my front porch or whatever, I just have to clap my hands or shout, and they usually scatter. Uh, scatter. So uh, that might be uh, helpful to do as well. So, um, and I guess Doctor Major, is there uh, animal control? I guess might be um, uh, uh, some part of a, a remedy in, in some areas. In some areas, yes. Uh, I would suggest maybe talking to your Clinton Animal Control, see if they have some solutions there. Sometimes they will trap and uh, remove. Uh, but the other thing is this may be somebody's cat, so I don't know uh, whether it belongs to somebody, and they're just letting it roam free. And the old thing of, hey, I'm not going to mess up my yard, but I'll go in somebody else's yard. <laughs> All right, that is going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, and funding is provided by listeners like you. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can go to mpbonline.org slash creaturecomforts. Our show is produced by Java Chapman. So for Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, I'm Kevin Farrell. Up next, it's AutoCorrect with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.